Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Full Metal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm still Cosm. <laughs> That's good, we were worried. Yeah, I was a little concerned. <laughs> it may not seem like it, but... We thought you might have got uh, parasitized by envy. <laughs> <laughs> it's topical. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't laugh, though. I have concerns. Maybe he did get, maybe he did get turned into a, a host. He's over there like, how dare you look down on me? <laughs> Stop looking at me. Stop looking at me. <laughs> I was like, I feel that, Envy. I feel that. It's been a long time yeah. in quarantine. Just saying. Yeah. So as that implies, today we're discussing chapters 78, 79, and 80. Woo. Yeah. I guess it only implies that if you really, really know which chapter numbers. Or <laughs> you, didn't, but... you didn't read it beforehand, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we, I read all of them. I don't know which chapter that happens in. It's in one of these mm-hmm. <laughs> sometime around now. <laughs> I think it's 80. I think it's 80. I think it's the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have something to look forward to. Yay! <laughs> it is really gross when Envy gets all, like, ugh, destroyed. Melty. But, yeah, melty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But whatever. We'll talk about it later, I'm sure. <laughs> so we're going to do our usual thing, uh, discuss all three chapters, and then uh, we're Summarize all three chapters and then discuss them. <laughs> we're going to discuss them first. Uh, that's what we're doing now. Yeah, and, we already uh, started, so. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem to be the normal And then we're going to tell you days. what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We usually make some kind of joke about what happened, and then we talk about it for a bit. And we're like, wow, that was crazy. And then we talk about it. And then Gayla does the summary, and then it's like, wow, that was crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're also all uh, a little tired for various reasons. So, <laughs> so yeah. it's a little scattered today. <laughs> oh, yeah, all of us are, aren't we? Yeah, because yeah, I had my second shot two days ago, Cosm, second vaccine two days ago, Cosm was canoeing, which is, <laughs> I think, not a great decision, but whatever. And, <laughs> and then Kayla just got back from traveling, so <laughs> it's a good time. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay, we're gonna do it. We're gonna be yeah, great. Yeah, we'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, summary, discussion, go. Cool. <laughs> Start the summary. I'm ready. <laughs> so demanding. It's like, I don't wanna. Please? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chapter 78 opens with Miles returning to Fort Briggs and updating Buccaneer on the situation. There is an explosion in a mine shaft, and Kimberly, Kimberly's men, and Ed are all missing, with no bodies turned up after ten days of searching. That information also makes its way to the West, as Fallman talks to Breda on the phone. Breda, in turn, reports on how things out there are going. The border war in Pendleton has been heating up and causing massive casualties. Fallman, it's just like you predicted. The military is sending men to the slaughter to create a transmutation circle. Fallman asks if he's heard anything from Fury in the South, and Breda says that they also talked on the phone recently. Things are bad down there, too, and being part of the unpopular Mustang crew, Fury was thrown into the worst of it. We see a glimpse of him desperately running through the trenches under enemy fire. Artillery rocks the ground and sends him flying off his feet, but he quickly scrambles back up, shouting to a comrade to keep moving. But when he turns around, he sees that the man is dead. Fury grits his teeth, puts his helmet back on, and keeps running. I'm gonna survive, he shouts desperately. I'm going to survive no matter what. Fallman notes that the area is also on the transmutation circle and hopes that their former teammate will be okay. 
He tells Breda they've been keeping in touch with Roy through a messenger loyal to the Armstrong family, then frustratedly complains that the homunculi are continuing to dig their tunnel, and there's nothing they can do to stop it. And under their feet, Sloth finally breaks through back to the beginning of the tunnel. He smiles. Can I stop working now, Pride? Hashtag relatable. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everything Pride says is like, yeah, I'm there mentally for sure. <laughs> I'm always like, these days, I'm always like, oh, it's too much work, but dying is also work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> we then transition, surprisingly, back to Lior. The town is damaged from the riots, but the people are rebuilding, and Rose is there looking quite happy as she helps to hand out food to all the workers. But in addition to all of the townspeople, she finds someone else in her line. Hohenheim, near collapse from hunger. <laughs> he perks up quite quickly with a good meal and cheerfully thanks Rosé and the restaurant owner, and they ask him where he's from. Nowhere, really. I travel around. Why would you come here, of all places? Haven't you heard? There's almost nothing left of Lior after the riots. I wouldn't say there's nothing. You can still find a hot meal, at least. Hohenheim says with a smile. He stands and thanks Rosé, who modestly says that it's all she can do to help here. A hot meal and your lovely smile helps more than you know, Hohenheim tells her, noticing the townspeople happily waving to Rosé as they return to their work. Hohenheim then asks if they can do him one more favor. Could they point him in the direction of the church where the cult of Lido is headquartered? Rosé points out the building, which still has the statue Ed transmuted when confronting Cornello embedded in the roof. <laughs> There's some plan to turn it into a tourist attraction to help fund the reconstruction <laughs> effort. Hohenheim makes a face. It sure is tacky. <laughs> yes. Ed's terrible aesthetic is my favorite running gag. Yeah. I don't remember the part where he stuck it through the roof, though. I don't. It... I don't. I don't know. I just. I, I feel like know. it's I completely forgotten. Yeah. It's been so long. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if he like built it partly out of the roof or if it's meant to be like. They've kind of rebuilt around the statue, but I don't know. Mm. I'd have to look back, and that's uh, on the other side of the room. So that's far away. And like you said, we're all tired, so that's yeah. what's happening yeah. today. <laughs> Too much work, <laughs> but dying is also work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they lead him into the church, which is wrecked and already looted of anything valuable. And Hohenheim asks if there's a passage under the building. There is, and they show it to him. But though the underground passageway is possible to enter, no one can get far because it's largely flooded with poisonous water. Hmm, it must have been put here to keep people out, Hohenheim says, then casually starts to step forward into the water. Rosé and the restaurant guy cry out in alarm, but with a spark of... I'm just laughing because you called him the... Yeah, I was going to say I'm laughing because you called him the restaurant guy. <laughs> but with a spark of light, a stone pathway appears beneath Hohenheim's feet as he walks down the passageway. It's a miracle, the restaurant guy says, but Rosé recognizes it as alchemy. Hohenheim turns back to ask them to wait while he goes a bit further in, but warns them not to follow, then continues on his way. After a little while, Hohenheim breaks through from this side tunnel into the large main tunnel that we all know and love. <laughs> I don't know if we love it. <laughs> it's Sloth's precious work, okay? Come on, you have to oh, appreciate it. That's true. <laughs> he did his I, best. Yeah, I appreciate his handiwork. Actually, he probably didn't. He did his bare minimum. He did the bare minimum. <laughs> It is pretty smooth and uniform, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Like, well, he's been doing it for years, years and true. years and years. Yeah, imagine how nice it would look if he put effort into it. <laughs> it's okay; you can still zoop around in it. it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of zoop. Yeah. <laughs> oh nope! This time it's zoom. 
There's, no, at, least, there's at least one zoop. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the summary for the episode that just came out, I was like, Himbley gets a visit from our favorite zoopy homunculus or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I also said something like, Himbley's... The plan to kill Kimberly doesn't go as planned. I was like, I don't have energy to write something better. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, I just want to do the sound effects for this one this one uh, sound effect. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Is that from, do you think that's the sound of the rubble, like, shooting up? From I don't know. <laughs> that could be. Because then it's like slash. That's yeah, like yeah. That's probably that's probably like the the almost like a thud of the earth coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Oh, there's a slap too, and it coincides <laughs> with Hohenheim slapping the the the, the wall. So, oh, so that he can make the stuff come out. <laughs> can he just use we his should, feet? We should move on. <laughs> he he made a pathway out of My his favorite. feet. Like, can he just use his feet to make the spikes? Because they got to come out of the wall. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> Sorry. My favorite sound say? effect in these <laughs> chapters is um, Tiny Envy turning his head away. <laughs> it says snub. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like sometimes sound effects just get translated into emotions in English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, whatever concepts, like being snubbed. Yeah. I feel like Japanese sound effects are a bit more abstract than English ones. Yeah, sometimes it's more of a like like it's got like the sound of sound. silence and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hohenheim wanders down the path, wondering why they would dig such a big tunnel. Then realizes he must have hit on something big as an ominous sound approaches from out of the shadows. Pride's shadowy form then bursts aggressively onto the scene, and Hohenheim has to turn and make a run for it. He uses alchemy to try and slow it down, sending spikes from the wall, and then trying to seal off the way behind him, both with little success. Oh, he did now use I'm his really- feet for that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. See, <laughs> see, see. Colin, why are you laughing? I'm just imagining like we have some one of us record just like a zoop, 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 and just have that play whenever Kayla's it. whenever Kayla's talking about pride. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that won't get annoying for us. <laughs> I did have regrets about using an echoey voice for the truth, but the truth hasn't come back in a while, so I'm not regretting it very mm-hmm. much these days. Mm. It sounded cool. It was cool, and I mm-hmm. almost added one for something else recently. I can't remember what it was, and I was like, no, 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 no. The, the homunculus, maybe. Yeah, I tried to add a. I tried to make it sound like it was in a glass, but I didn't. Mm-hmm have the editing skills to do that you'd have had to have recorded it from inside a glass Mm. (laughs) and i almost i thought about it but i didn't yeah it was it was for that good call (laughs) as a side note i'm pretty sure that's how they recorded uh al's voice at least for the dub they had like (laughs) something like talking talking to a bowl yeah (laughs) like in front of the microphone yeah put a (laughs) put a piece of metal behind the microphone or something there's some sounds Mm -hmm. that you just can't like i couldn't make an effect it's easy to make an echo effect i couldn't make an effect easily that sounded like your inside glass mm-hmm. anyway sorry we interrupted you a lot already <laughs> <laughs> now i'm really stumped hohenheim says with a nervous grin <laughs> he takes a step back and trips over the ledge and stumbles backward into the smaller entry tunnel pride lunges into strike but its sharp shadows stop suddenly at the tunnel entrance why do i always give myself like tongue twisters <laughs> the sharp sharp shadows stop shadows. suddenly because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good in your head but it yeah. <laughs> doesn't roll off the tongue. 
I like the sound effect here too. I imagine it being like tink tink tink. It's like zing zing zing. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's like bouncing off of the edge of the tunnel where it can't go through. <laughs> the eyes in the shadow soup. glare. Soup. Sorry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. The eyes in the shadow glare. That face. You're von Hohenheim. Hohenheim runs his finger along the edge of the tunnel wall. Apparently, this is the edge of your container, he says. You can't survive after crossing this line, can you? Just like when you were in that flask. My guess is that you can only move My guess is that you can only move around freely within this tunnel and in the main part of Central City, am I right? Pride says nothing, continuing to glare down at him. Did I hit the nail on the head? Say something. Cat got your tongue? Hohenheim smirks, tilting his head to one side. Are you angry? Anger doesn't exist within me, Pride says angrily. <laughs> <laughs> you mean don't you mean pridefully? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not anger, nor lust, sloth, greed, gluttony, or envy. I left all unnecessary emotions within father. My name is Pride. I see. Pride, huh? Hohenheim says, smirking again. There are seven deadly sins within a person. So you're the first one he separated from himself. The sin of pride. I'm surprised he extended the energy to give you the same appearance he had when he was in the flask. I guess your name explains it. Your very appearance suggests arrogance and pompousness. The true essence of your father. I was right. Mm -hmm. I was right. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I'm like two for two. <laughs> Good job. Yay. Pride scowls at him. You will come with me to see father, he says. But Hohenheim simply turns away. Don't be in such a rush. I don't need an invitation to see him. He begins to head back down the entry tunnel, away from Pride. Give him this message. Slave number 23 will be visiting him quite soon. And tell him to enjoy his power in Central City while he still can. Got that? Pride does not respond, but down the long reach of his shadows, the message is received. Father smiles grimly, fists clenched atop his strange game board with its human pieces. Yes, he says, I'll be waiting, von Hohenheim. Back under the church, Hohenheim reemerges from the flooded tunnel. Rose and the restaurant guy ask if he found anything, and Hohenheim says he did, disturbing things not for ordinary people. Please tell everyone not to go in there, it's too dangerous. Rose asked what he was doing back there. Delivering a declaration of war. And on that note, we return to Briggs. On top of the wall, soldiers bicker amiably as the watch shift changes over in the middle of a miserable storm. Before the relieved soldiers can head back into the warmth, the wind changes, clearing the stormy skies beyond the border and revealing a terrible sight. A mass of troops from Drachma advancing on the fort. The long-held tensions have suddenly become open hostilities. Miles and Buccaneer arrive on top of the wall to take in the side of the opposing army. They note that there will likely be mass casualties on both sides, but still, Briggs is virtually impregnable, so why attack now? The answer, unsurprisingly, is Kimberly, <laughs> who stands now with the leader of the Drachman troops, assuring him that not only is General Armstrong currently absent from the fort, but also that Kimberly has men inside, ready to strike from within and cause confusion during the battle. The Drachman leader laughs. Mestris is exhausted from fighting wars in the south and west. Long have we sought to breach the walls of Briggs. Today that dream will come true. Kimberly stands before one of the massive Drachman cannons. Now it's time to deliver our declaration of war. Let's give them a grand fireworks display. Meanwhile, Scar's group has found a place to rest in a niche fallen refugee slum in the northern region. 
Alice taking the opportunity to try and learn about alkahestry, which mostly consists of May shouting at him vaguely about reading the dragon's pulse, <laughs> while he shouts back that he needs more practical instructions. <laughs> and both of them flapping their hands, yeah. <laughs> gesticulating in frustration. <laughs> Scar listens to them bicker for a moment, looking again like he's questioning how his life has reached this point. <laughs> <laughs> then turns to one of the Ishvalan residents to thank him for allowing them to stay. The man says it's not a problem. Scar's is fallen too, after all, and everyone in the group is pulling their own weight around town, like Marco treating everyone's ailments, Gerso chopping wood, and Yoki unwillingly entertaining the children. <laughs> I was like, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Yoki gripes that it's someone else's turn to be a chew toy and asks where Zampano disappeared to. Gerso says that he's out getting food supplies, but we soon see that this isn't the case. Zampano stands in a distant phone booth, glancing suspiciously over his shoulder as he makes a phone call. My name is Ampano. I'm Kimberly's subordinate, he says. Scar and a man presumed to be Dr. Marco are hiding in the slums of the northern town of Aspec. And on the other end of the line, Envy grins. Okay, Zampano, I guarantee your safety. Thanks for the information. Now things are really getting interesting. And that ends chapter 78. No! Dun, dun, dun. Not Zampano. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a warthog or whatever, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 okay. Obvious betrayal, I was like, what does that mean? I don't know what it but means. But no, he's literally a warthog. <laughs> 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 no, I literally described what his, what he's, I, I mean, I don't know. That's my assumption, at least. We, I don't really know. We never really figured mm -hmm. out what it is. Yeah. Kayla's but described him pretty... as like a boar or something. Porcupine mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. He has yeah. spiky things. Or porcupine. I don't guy. know. Porcupine. <laughs> Yes. Key fine. That's how you say it, right? <laughs> oh, that's good too. That, I, that's a joke. Is it a joke? What? <laughs> I, it's just how I say it, but I guess it's a joke because it's like a pig. Is that, yeah, that you're yeah. combining pork? No, I like just say it like a pie. dumb person. Oh. <laughs> I should have had a longer nap. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's going well. It's We're one fine. Third through. <laughs> These are the jokes. These are the jokes that. That people will listen for right <laughs> anyway start the next chapter maybe <laughs> say please please <laughs> please start the next please please start the next chapter <laughs> so due to editing the audience has no idea how long of a game of chicken you guys just played <laughs> it could have been instant or you guys could have just waited for five minutes been like i'm not saying it until you go That's and true. you just edited it out <laughs> I'm glad at least we're having fun. The only person who's gonna suffer is me editing it later. Being like, should I leave it? Should I cut it? Is this something that people want to hear? Do they want to know what our friend di ship dynamic is like? Do they know what our friendship dynamic is like already? <laughs> You're welcome. Chapter 79 opens back up at Briggs, where the Drachman troops have been soundly defeated, much to the Drachman leader's disbelief. He drops to his knees in despair in the middle of the field of fallen men. Nearby, Kimberly sits casually on a toppled cannon and applauds. Well done, well done. The very definition of an instant victory. I thought we could hold out for a bit longer, but apparently I give Drachma too much credit. The Drachman leader jumps to his feet and rolls on Kimberly, screaming that this wasn't what they were promised. They'd been planning this attack with allies within the Amestris military for years, and it had been promised that there would be chaos within the ranks at Briggs, but there wasn't a hint of confusion in their counterattack. There's no reason to be so upset, Kimberly says. 
The fact that we weren't hit after withstanding such a fierce attack must mean that you and I are the seeds that were chosen for greater things. You should rejoice in the fact that you are one of the chosen. Shut up, damn you! The Drachman leader starts to shout before another attack from Briggs rocks the battlefield and leaves him nothing but a smear of blood in the snow next to Kimberly. Not so chosen after all. <laughs> he died in the middle of our conversation. How rude. <laughs> Kimberly would say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the surviving soldiers are meanwhile scrambling to retreat, but obviously recognizing the treachery of Kimberly's involvement, a few hold him at gunpoint and order him to come with them. Kimberly grins, philosopher's stone held between his teeth. The resulting explosion is easily visible from Briggs, as is the avalanche that follows. The soldiers there acknowledge that that definitely finished them, but they wonder what caused that explosion, since they didn't fire anything. Back at the northern Nishvalan slum, Zampano has returned with a super sketchy looking dude who is totally just a Nishvalan traveler hoping to get treatment from Mark Dr. Marco. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Not suspicious at all. <laughs> he asks some kids where the doctor went, and then the two of them head out for the empty hilltop where Marco and Gerso are out gathering wood for kindling. When they arrive, Marco and Gerso are immediately suspicious of the sketchy newcomer. Zampano stutters halfway through the lie that he's just here to get treatment before the traveler says, you can stop now, Zampano. Your third-rate acting's not fooling anyone. And then drops the disguise, revealing envy, obviously. <laughs> I was surprised. Were you surprised? No. <laughs> <laughs> envy grins wickedly. What's up, Doc? Long time no see. Like what you did with the face. They start to advance on Marco. You spineless worm. Did you really think you could hide from us forever? But as Envy's foot hits the ground, the snow suddenly explodes underneath them. A chemical light sparks, and sharp spears jut up suddenly from the ground, impaling Envy's foot and leg. What the hell is this? Envy cries, and they look up in time to see Zampano running away from him to join the other two. Zampano, you bastard. Zampano grins. Third-rate acting, huh? Fooled you well enough. It's like, yay. He's yay. not a traitor. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I was disappointed for a half a chapter or so. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And Marco adds that it was their plan to lure Envy there from the beginning. Knowing how cruel and ruthless you are, I was certain that once you learned that I was still alive, you'd come to bully me again. Envy starts forward again, snarling that they still don't stand a chance, and another attack from what Marco claims is a landmine technique of alchemy sends them flying. Mm -hmm. There's no way that alchemy like this could exist, Envy says, before taking another step and getting impaled by spikes of ice. Why you- if these are landmines, then I can easily avoid them by stepping in your footprints. But of course, that doesn't work either. I forgot to mention, the landmines are designed to react only to homunculi, Marco says. This entire area is covered with them. You just can't see them because they're hidden beneath the snow. Well, how does it feel to be bullied by those whom you treated like worms? Envy glares around, beginning to sweat. Off in the distance, Al and May hide in an old abandoned wood shelter, and we find out what's really going on. It's not landmines, but May's long-distance alchemy, with the recent snowfall thankfully covering up all her transmutation circles. She simply washes and activates them when Envy draws near. Back with the others, Envy's rage at being bested by insects has quickly reached its boiling point. Why couldn't you scum just do as you were told, they growl, body beginning to bulge and morph. You worms, don't think you've won yet. And then Envy's monstrous true form reemerges, much to the shock of those who hadn't been around for the first time. Envy lashes out at Marco, but Gerso is able to use his superior chimera speed to grab him and jump out of the way of Envy's tail as it comes crashing down. Zampano also takes on his chimera form to begin harrying Envy, which distracts them enough for Scar to jump up on their back and deliver a fierce attack with his destruction alchemy. Envy writhes in pain and collapses to the ground, bleeding heavily. 
There's a moment of triumph. And then Envy turns and lashes out with their gross tongue thing, enveloping Marco and <laughs> enveloping Marco and pulling him closer. Accurate description. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like soul tongue things. Yeah. It is gross. I was like, oh, Envy's true form is back. Why? Yeah. Why did this have to happen? <laughs> Envy warns the others to stay back, threatening to snap Marco in half, and then turns the full force of their rage on the doctor. Now I'm going to have to teach you disobedient worms a lesson, they snarl, tightening their grip on Marco, making bones snap. They remind Marco of their earlier threat to wipe his village off the map, and Marco gasps out that he won't let that happen. Envy flicks a clawed finger at Marco's face, breaking teeth and making him bleed. Are you still trying to resist? They sneer. How foolish. I... I followed orders. I created philosopher stones, Marco pants. I became a monster, and have hated myself ever since. But now... I'm angry at myself for not having done anything about it. Envy, clearly only half listening, tells him to shut up and suggests taking out the Ishvalan slum nearby as punishment. But just destroying it wouldn't be very interesting. I think I'll take some of the healthier women and children back to Central to be used as ingredients for Philosopher's Stones. You bastard, Marco spits. Are you still making those infernal things? Free those researchers. Free my old team. Free them, Envy says sweetly. I can't. They've all been turned into Philosopher's Stones. It's got like a little heart in the it world. It has bubble, a heart. So. <laughs> I think you need to say it like Kimi. Yeah. And he can't do that. He's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, Envy will free them if you take Envy out to dinner. <laughs> Envy believed in you. <laughs> it can't be true. They're like, Envy, how are you so confident all the time? Well, it all started that one time. <laughs> this is all reference to Fruits Basket. Like, it's like, this is yes. like a deep cut. It's like not yeah. even important to the story. <laughs> it's a reference to our jokes about Fruits Basket. It's a re- right. <laughs> it's a reference to our love of a minor character in Fruits Basket, whose dialogue also often involves little heart bubbles. <laughs> nice. Anyway. Back to serious stuff. Yeah, yeah. Marco's about to die, so... Yeah. Marco's eyes go wide with shock. What? All of my team? What are you so worked up about? Envy sneers. You've made plenty of Philosopher's Stones in the past, haven't you? Using people's lives? Marco stares, shaken up, while the others look on in silence. You're right, he says eventually, quietly. I sacrificed the lives of countless people to make the stones. And yes, I know more about making Philosopher's Stones than anyone else in the country. But because I know how to make them, I also know how to destroy them. Marco yanks off his gloves, revealing new transmutation circles drawn on his palms, and quickly presses his hands to Envy's flesh. Envy screams as the transmutation energy courses through their body, targeting the Philosopher's Stone at their core. The reaction is so intense that it can be seen from the slum, where the townspeople worriedly note that it's coming from where that nice doctor went. Envy drops Marco and collapses to the ground, where their body quickly begins to lose form. An oozing, disintegrating version of Envy's usual form crawls out of the mess, crying that it hurts. No, how can this be? They demand in a shaky mumble, dragging themselves toward the others. You bastards! I can never be defeated by you lower life forms. No, don't look. Don't look at me. Even you, Chimera, are looking down on me. Then, from that body's forehead, a tiny, embryo-like creature emerges, crying, Don't look down on me, humans! And now we see Envy's real true form. 
Zampano sneers and gives the creature a kick. And then Scar crouches down beside it where it lands. I thought you were going to say kiss. Yes, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Zampano, tiny envy, OTP. <laughs> Imagine me and you, I do. So this puny thing is what's been causing us so much grief. He picks Envy up by the tail and turns to look at Marco, lying injured in the snow, breathing hard, blood running down his face. Something in Scar's expression changes, and he quietly says, We've won, Marco. And that's the end of 79. Whoa. We're almost there, guys. <laughs> it's the end of volume 13, though. Bye, Olivier. <laughs> we barely Alas. knew me. <laughs> I know. It's like back to the old volumes. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they're that bad, but... No, they're... Yeah. They're fine. They're it's okay. Just, uh, when you're used not to the nice, same. big, beautiful pages. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not the same. <laughs> Chapter 80 opens shortly after the end of the confrontation with Envy. Gerso tries, with no success, to find Marco's teeth that were knocked out during the fight. And Marco tells him not to worry about it, and just thanks May for stopping his bleeding again. He turns back to Gerso and Zampano. I'm sorry I had to put your lives at risk for my repentance. Thank you. Yeah, well, you told us to stay out of the way as much as possible, Gerso says, and Zampano agrees, though he adds that it was way scarier than he expected. I didn't expect it would turn into such a huge monster. Meanwhile, Tiny Envy, still dangling unhappily by the tail in Scar's <laughs> hand, <laughs> spots May and irritably notes that she's that girl that snuck into their base under Central. A little while later, the group arrives back at the slum, where Winry and Yoki are waiting. They ask how it went, and if Marco is okay, and Marco confirms that they won somehow, and despite how he looks, he's not actually hurt too badly. Winry worriedly scolds him for being so reckless, and Marco tells her, When I first met you, I suddenly remembered the Rockbell couple, and I realized how cowardly it was for me to be swept along by others and not do anything when there was something I could do to make a difference. I knew it was reckless, but I wanted to do something. Winry looks startled by this for a moment, then smiles and says he should still try to be a little more careful. Yoki, meanwhile, is adding to his long list of poor choices by taunting the homunculus. <laughs> he would do it, though. I yeah. didn't know if the group was going to. Mm. Yeah. He sneers at Envy's reduced form and flicks at it with his finger, and Envy promptly bites down on his finger and latches on. <laughs> Yoki yanks away with a yelp, pulling Envy free of Scar's grip, and in a flash, Envy has crawled up to Yoki's neck and begun fusing with his body. Ew. Yeah, it's pretty gross. <laughs> I've taken over this pathetic human's body, they shout in triumph. Do what I say if you value your friend's life. But much to Envy's and Yoki's shock, no one really seems to care much. <laughs> <laughs> You're so brave to sacrifice yourself like this, May says, <laughs> while Al cheerfully waves and promises to never forget him. <laughs> Yoki turns to plead with Scar, his oldest quote-unquote friend, <laughs> but Scar just turns his head away. <laughs> <laughs> Envy is very confused by all this. Well, why isn't anyone trying to save this guy? Isn't he their friend? <laughs> your tactics won't cut it anymore, Envy, Marco says firmly. We no longer care about how others will judge your actions. If you continue to interfere, we will destroy his body and you along with it. Envy looks nervous for a moment. Then with a growl of frustration, they give up, releasing Yoki. Al picks up the tiny Envy, and Marco slumps over with relief, mumbling that he's not very good at bluffing like that. <laughs> Yoki screams that everyone is a jerk and they're not his friends anymore. <laughs> and Al points out that they were barely even acquaintances. <laughs> <laughs> and May fawns over him yeah, about it. Yeah. It's like so cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> a little while later, Envy is now safely tucked away in a jar, like a frog some kids found down by the pond. With a straw for a breathing hole. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure just... Envy needs the breathing too, but it cracks me <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it does look like some... It definitely looks like what people would do to, like, a little animal that they cut. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It'd be funny if they put, like, a twig and some leaves in there. Yeah. <laughs> for for enrichment. Yeah. <laughs> Envy mutters about the scheming vermin talking together a short distance away, then suddenly notices a conspicuous absence in the group. Is that full metal squared around here somewhere? Al turns around. Big brother, I think he's in Briggs. I heard that he's missing, Envy Needles. Is that true? He's really not here. Al and Winry share an alarmed look, then Al demands to know just what Envy is talking about. All I know is that the military lost track of him after the mine shaft and Baskul collapsed. Winry starts to freak out a little bit, and Al, obviously also worried, quickly tries to reassure them both that, Ed being Ed, he's sure to have gotten himself out of that mess somehow. Jerso and Zampano then take over the conversation, trying to put the pressure on Envy to get them to talk. And by that I mean Zampano violently shakes the jar while Jerso cheers. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good tactic. Yes. Until a nauseated looking Envy points out that it would be stupid to talk since they're just going to be killed after they do so. The Chimeras reluctantly give up on that, and Gerso says they should really be getting out of there, which Scar agrees with. The Shvalan refugees see them off with blessings and good wishes, and the group carries on. As they walk, Al confirms that he's been feeling good, no losses of consciousness lately, which Gerso and Zampano are happy to hear, since carrying him was a pain. <laughs> the group wonders where they should head now, and Al doesn't have an immediate answer to that. Fort Briggs is too dangerous, and Big Brother is missing, so... But Scar has one idea, at least. He carries Envy's jar and walks at the back of the group with May, and he asks her where she entered a mistress from. And as the group reaches a crossroads, Scar turns and holds the jar out to her. Take this thing and go back to your country, he says to everyone's shock. It's not exactly the immortality your emperor wants, but it is the remnant of a homunculus that wouldn't die no matter how many times we tried to kill it. Perhaps it's enough to save your clan. But if I left now, May starts to protest. But Scar just says, it's all right, May. You don't have time to be involved in the affairs of another country. Remember why you came here in the first place. If your clan loses the power struggle, are you prepared to explain that you couldn't help them because you got caught up in the problems of another country? He points down one of the roads. Go east from here, and you'll run into Usewell. Go. We, the people of this country, will somehow take care of its problems on our own. May is reluctant, but everyone gives her an encouraging look. She holds Xiaomei tightly and gives a deep bow. Thank you. For everything, she says. Al steps forward to tell her how grateful he is to her for trying to explain Alka history to him, even though he didn't really get it. And May tearfully throws herself at him in an emotional goodbye hug. <laughs> he pats her head and tells her to take care, and with one final thank you to everyone, May is on her way. She sure was lively, Al comments, and Winry immediately begins teasing him about this potential budding romance. <laughs> <laughs> the others return to figuring out where they're going next, and Al chimes in that he has an idea a particular town that's been on his mind. We then check in with May a little later, as she arrives back at Usewell. She still looks a little unsure about taking this route, frowning and looking down as she slowly carries Envy through the town. As she walks past a group of miners, the boy Kyle, whose father she saved on her way through last time, spots her and quickly runs over to say hi. I knew it was you, he says eagerly, then turns to the others and shouts, Hey everybody, it's May! Everyone comes over to greet her and asks what she's doing back here. And when she says that she's heading back to her country, everyone starts offering up their best hospitality in the meantime. 
They tell her she's welcome back any time, and that she should have some supper and a hot bath, and stay the night at our place before she heads out. In the face of all this kindness, May begins to tear up, and Envy is quick to latch on to this moment of weakness. What nice people, they begin. Are you going to abandon them? That's fine. It's up to you. But I don't think bringing home a half-dead homunculus like me will make much of a difference. One more blow and this body is finished for good. All that'll do is make the Emperor angry, right? Envy looks up at May and makes the final push. If you go to Central City, you'll be able to learn the true secret of immortality. Central City is where you'll find what you're looking for. But never mind, I guess none of that matters, since you're going back to your own country. May, already reluctant to go, is easily swayed by this manipulation. She looks over at the friendly Usewell folks, looks down at Envy, trembles with indecision, then finally says, I'm sorry, Kyle, but I'll have to take you up on the offer some other time. She dashes off, and when Kyle asks where she's going, she calls back, I have to go back to Central City to take care of some unfinished business. And as May runs, Envy silently gloats. The little fool. As soon as we get to Central City, I'm all set. All I need is a Philosopher's Stone to retransform myself. And in the city in question, the Fuhrer is hard at work at his desk, with Risa assisting. He pauses and cracks his neck and says they should take a break, telling Risa to bring some tea. Risa steps over to the sideboard to prepare the tea, and Bradley says, So you've learned the truth about Salem. Risa glances over her shoulder. Yes, sir, she says, continuing with the tea. And you know my true identity? Yes, sir. She pauses. Now that I've found out, will you kill me, sir? No, he says. I'm just curious. How you, as an ordinary citizen, feel about the fact that the head of this country and his son are both homunculi? Risa considers for a moment. I think it's sad that your family, the one thing that the people of Amestris should be able to believe in, was artificially created. You're just playing at being a family, aren't you, sir? You homunculi look down on us humans as fools. You mimic us and laugh at us from the shadows. Isn't that the truth, sir? Playing at being a family, Bradley repeats thoughtfully. That's true. My son, Salem, was given to me by my superior. Not only my son, but my position as fear, my subordinates, and my power. In other words, I'm also playing at being a dictator. The Fuhrer stands and walks over to the window. But I did choose my wife on my own. Riza looks up, surprised, but he has nothing more to say on that matter. Is the tea ready yet? he asks. Oh, yes, sir. She brings it over, and the Fuhrer takes a sip and smiles, saying it's delicious, while Riza stares at him, unsure what to make of this new information. <clears throat> Elsewhere in the headquarters building, we finally have a meeting of the Armstrongs. <laughs> Yay! We've been waiting for so long. <laughs> Olivier glares up at her little brother, who politely asks if she can maybe stop stomping on his foot. <laughs> she stomps harder, since he dared to address her as sis instead of major general in a military setting. <laughs> they exchange a few more friendly sibling greetings, then Alex mentions that he heard her men at Briggs completely obliterated the attacking Drachman forces. Of course, she says. Alex leans in to quietly add, but won't that just hasten the completion of the National Transmutation Circle? Olivier is unmoved. I don't care. It's our duty at Fort Briggs to protect the northern border. She clenches her fist aggressively. For decades and centuries to come, they'll think twice before picking a fight with our country, now that they've tasted the bitterness of overwhelming and total defeat. It's better for both our nations if Drachma learns this now. Alex sighs. I see you're just as feisty as ever. At that rate, you'll never find a husband, sis. Olivier kicks him over. <laughs> <laughs> who says I even want to go there you spineless pansy she stalks off down the hallway your cowardice will rub off on me if I'm around you much longer 
<laughs> Alex calls after her that she should go and visit their father while she's in town, and she noncommittally says that she will if she feels like it. <laughs> Before she can get too far from her brother, she runs into one of the military higher-ups that she just joined the ranks of. Oh, there you are, Major General, he says. He spots Alex behind her and asks, Is that your younger brother? I don't consider him a brother, sir, Olivier answers with a scowl. He's nothing but a coward who ran from the cheval in front with his tail between his legs. The officer seems to take that answer well enough, because he ignores Alex and says, Come with me, I need to show you something. He leads Olivier down one of Central's many sketchy underground tunnels, and as they walk... <laughs> You could, do a like a whole, you could do like a whole tour of that. It's like <laughs> it's a central underground tunnel tour. Yeah, exactly. You know, they like can make it a tour Paris and do like the catacombs and stuff. In this case, it is very yeah. similar to the catacomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As they walk, he asks her if she knows what the country's three restrictions on alchemy are. She does, of course. You shall not create gold. You shall not create a human being. You shall not oppose the military. They pass through a heavy metal door, and then a gated off area with multiple padlocks that have to be unlocked, and Olivia asks what he's getting at by asking about this. He points out that not opposing the military is an obvious restriction, and not creating gold makes sense too, to protect the economy. But why should creating a human being be so taboo? Because it goes against ethics, Olivia answers. I've heard that there's always been an unspoken restriction among alchemists in regard to humans creating humans, because it's a sin against God. That's not the reason, the other officer says. Ethics are a fluid affair. They're always changing. And at this time, in this country, we have no time for such quaint concepts as sin. They descend a set of stairs and encounter one final door, this one requiring a code input on a number pad. The officer opens it, and Olivier's eyes widen in shock. The room is filled with dozens, if not hundreds, of strange, human-like figures, all unnaturally thin and lacking eyes. They hang suspended along the walls, entangled in a mass of twisting wires and tubes. The officer, standing in the middle of it all, concludes, It's to prevent any single individual from possessing a powerful army. From there we cut to a much more friendly location, the recovering town of Lior, where Al, Winry, Yoki, and the Chimera soldiers have just arrived. Al leads them over to the restaurant where he and Ed ate way back at the beginning of the series, and he has a happy reunion with Rosé, who's wiping down the counter there. She asks if Ed is also with them, and Al says that his brother is somewhere else this time. That's too bad. I wanted to see him, Rosé says. Winry has an interesting reaction to this, and Al is quick to jump in to return the earlier teasing. <laughs> <laughs> the three of them begin to chat until a voice calls out, Hey, Rosé! And we see Hohenheim with his hair pulled back in a floral handkerchief, <laughs> smiling as he carries a large pot. I'm done washing the pot. Is there anything else I can... He trails off as he spots Al and Winry, and in a moment of confused recognition, all three stare at each other and go, Huh? <laughs> and that's the end of chapter 80. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening oh that is definitely a better way to yeah. end than the creepy faceless army <laughs> when I flipped a page that part I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> so many things happened yeah <laughs> good thing my notes are in sequential order so we can just go right from the top back All to right. the top <laughs> which was well, I don't know. Maybe we're, they are. Maybe they aren't. Huh? Yeah, we're getting to the point where everything kind of cliffhangers, but I didn't want to break up the uh, envy fight, so that seemed mm -hmm. like the best place to end it. Oh, yeah. is that in the middle of the two? I was wondering why you grouped these together, because they're like mm -hmm. kind of related, but there's not really something thematically yeah. related yeah. in them, I guess. It ends with the Zampano. The first one ends with Zampano calling envy, and then you got most of the fight in 79, and then the aftermath in 80, so. Mm. Oh, yeah. You can't really break that up. Yeah. Yeah. They can't leave us worried about 
Zamfano of turn like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. having turned against the group. I know. It'd be the most the most cliffhangery. cliffhangery. <laughs> <laughs> How dare everyone's favorite Zampano. <laughs> <laughs> I'm attached to him now, obviously. <laughs> I'm sure he's somebody's favorite. <laughs> small small dedicated fan yeah. club. I remember someone commented in one of our in a comment that they left us recently that was like, I like that you take time to talk about like all the characters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, or like, or, you know, not just the main character. And I was, I was kind of like, aren't they all main characters? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. It's got a very large ensemble cast and almost yeah, all of them true. are important in some way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're certainly mm-hmm. important right now. Yeah. You know, the chimeras, <laughs> they're, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like super emotionally attached. If one of them were to like suddenly be impaled and die, I'd be mm-hmm. like, meh, you know, die in like a horrible way, like mm-hmm. like people tend yeah. to in this series. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh no, and then whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I like the other pair a little better, but I'm I'm vaguely fond of all of the they're, yeah they're fine. chums. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 helping out. Mm-hmm. Their plan was good till their envy. So that yeah. Out. They had us fooled. Mm-hmm. Like a marker who's just like, you're such a dick that I knew we could lure you out here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that is definitely true. They were definitely right. Yeah. He was definitely mm-hmm. right about that. <laughs> it's like, I knew you wouldn't be able to resist the chance to come and kill me and prove yourself mm-hmm. to your chum, your your homunculus chums. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Because Envy has been really pissed off about Mark, Dr. Marco slipping away from them for quite a while. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure that he knew that Envy mm-hmm. would come. Yeah, Envy seems to have a personal, like, beef yeah, with Marco. Kind of beef. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I think Envy's annoyed that did, he slipped did away. Did the kids still say beef? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do, and that's what matters. <laughs> I wonder what, what would they not say, what would they say now, rather? I don't know. It's just one of those terms that seems to last him. forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't... <laughs> I don't know anything about what the kids say, so... <laughs> the kids definitely say vibing, according to my 20-year-old co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> they say it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point is, what I was going to say at first, before we started talking about whatever we were talking about before, is that we checked in with the Mustang crew, and they were all all in their assi- various assignments, nearly getting mm-hmm. killed, mm-hmm. like Fury. Mm-hmm running ca- some kind of communication wire yeah. in mm-hmm. the border with Urugo. So that's not good. That's not good at all. I thought they were all going to get shipped off to, to shitty office jobs, but no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're getting shipped off to shitty uh, post assignments. So. Yeah. Yeah, Fury's so tiny, he doesn't look like he should I be know. on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, he looks like a teenager like Ed Nell. I mean, I think he's supposed to be probably like early a, 20s. A grown up. Yeah. yeah, or like, you know, like 18 or 19 yeah. or something, but yeah, yeah, he still seems... I think he's just kind of t- small. Yeah. <laughs> like Kayla said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, okay, also, also in important news from these chapters, the tunnel is connected. Yeah. Sloth's great task is done. <laughs> Sloth can take a nap. Yeah, he can take a nap. How long did they say that it's this has been going on? Like hundreds of years? Mm-hmm. I think... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long that tunnel digging has necessarily been going. Oh. Yeah. Definitely a long time. Yeah. Well, the border the border skirmishes have been going on for a long time, yeah. so I assume the tunnel digging started around that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not explicit, but there's, it's kind of hard to tell how much time passes in this story because yeah. there's not like 
you know, they go to all these different places where the weather is different. Like, it's not, like, obviously winter, obviously summer, obviously, like, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking in more, like, Slice of Life series. There's, like, holidays, so you kind yeah. of know sometimes what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, there's probably, not, yeah. You could probably put together a timeline. I just uh, yeah. haven't. <laughs> that would but work. it's probably been, like, what, like, a year, maybe, somewhere around there, right? It's been a while. It's been months, for sure. Oh, also, the correct answer is 75 chapters, but... but they've been moving around so much who knows how long it's been i kind of forget how quickly this this series progresses i don't know just it's probably been it seems to take place in a in a short period of time yeah according to this timeline on the wiki that i don't know how official it is (laughs) um ed and al uncover father cornella's scheme in spring of 1914 Mm mm-hmm Oh, this isn't complete. Never mind. Um. <laughs> like, you know, there's no, it could just be I like hot it. there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, not, the weather never changes in any of these places. Like, it's never like, you know, they're not wearing their summer military uniforms at Central. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Hohenheim is wearing a, a jacket and stuff, but it was like. He was, like, up in the mountains, wasn't he? Yeah. And then May wore her coat. She continued wearing her coat to use well. But, well, I mean... It's the, it's, the, it's the winter now, because when uh, Armstrong froze Sloth, she was like, stay here until the springtime, and then we'll be a little yeah, bit later. So I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, winter. Mm-hmm. So. so that means it's probably been, like, six months, like, at a maximum. Um, yeah, six, to, six spring, to nine, According probably. to that. Yeah. And I also, um, I think that Ed and Al left Lior, like, right before the riot started. Yeah. Like, remember we cut back and then, like, Lust and them Right, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, um, and, um, like, Hughes was talking about it before he got killed, so. Mm-hmm. Which wasn't Which was that long after. Into the story. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it was kind of like a flash in the pan. There was a quick uprising and whatever and now they're already recovering it seems like because it was all fueled by the homunculi and stuff and they kind of got what they wanted and left yeah they didn't need it to go on very long and they just needed to spill a lot of blood yeah yeah same with like what just happened in drachma like that that's enough yeah Yeah. we're at the border it seems Mm -hmm. like so yeah you just need one good battle Mm -hmm. yeah i'd say i think yeah several months is probably a good yeah yeah yes but anyway we return to on that note, we returned to, to Lior, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And yep. Rosé was seemed to be doing better and giving out food mm-hmm. to people, including Hohenheim, which was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how he just like looks up on the ground is like, food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. One little um, detail I always like is uh, when they take him down into the tunnel and like Hohenheim makes this little pathway mm-hmm. and the, the restaurant guy's like, it's a miracle. And Rose is like, Rosie's like, no. no, that's alchemy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She remembers that, mm-hmm. you know, having learned that from Ed and Al the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that you, I like that, first of all, like, the restaurant guy played such a significant role. <laughs> <laughs> and he was there the whole time. And then second, I like that you called him restaurant guy, because there's no name. <laughs> he doesn't have a name, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun just to be back in Lior, since it's, like, where we started. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Really like, hey, it's circle. that guy. It's that place. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> It's Rosé. It's that statue that I didn't mm-hmm. remember. <laughs> <laughs> that I only barely remembered. 
Mm-hmm. I do like how this is restaurant. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how Hohenheim commented that the ta- the statue is tacky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like you said, Ed's Ed's tacky sort of design choices are mm-hmm. <laughs> continue to be a running theme, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like don't make some don't make fun of your son's artwork. <laughs> yeah, I don't really. <laughs> well, it's funny that he specifically comments on it because it's what yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that so it seems like pride can, can is only contained to a certain area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least yeah. as a zoopy shadow. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's not really clear if like at, in his little body form he can leave central i guess yeah i don't know i don't know yeah i feel like it's like probably because his body is in central mm-hmm, maybe he can't, he can't go too far maybe yeah he doesn't have unlimited zooping powers is yeah. that what you're yes. saying <laughs> there's only so much zoop <laughs> honan was lucky that he wasn't able to go past there mm-hmm. <laughs> but the phone high mocking pride. Yeah. Yeah, it was so good. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and also, I was right, as I said before, while we were recording, that, or at least I remember when we were talking about pride and if pride is a good pride and whatnot. Yeah. When Cosmo agreed, agreed with us that pride's a good pride, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, but yeah, it probably has to do with father creating him kind of like his in his own image like a child and then mm-hmm. when we learned about the homunculus, I was like, oh, he probably like specifically made him in that form because... He made it like he made pride like himself, and then Hohenheim mm-hmm. says exactly the same thing. And I was like, "Ha, ha I was yeah. right." <laughs> yeah, you don't have to keep rubbing it in. Mm-hmm. I was I'll right. I'll help you with that because uh, <laughs> um, when he talks about how uh, none of the the sins exist in him, he says, "I left, I left all unnecessary emotions within father." Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, like that was his decision. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mm-hmm. I doubt that, but I I believe he believes it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Also, I think this is the first time we've seen Hohenheim doing alchemy, like, other than stabbing his hand into Izumi. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah or right. himself. Yeah. He, where he's just casually walking and making a thing. Yeah, he, like, doesn't have fighting. to do, like, he doesn't even have to gesture. Mm-hmm. No. He just like touched the surface that he was using. Mm-hmm. And that's similar to what we saw when during the father fight, right? Didn't he pretty much do the same thing? He just like kind yeah. of put his foot down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we specifically talked about how father doesn't need to use a transmutation circle mm-hmm. or anything like that, or even yeah. clap. He just like touched Ed now to fix them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, they do seem to have similar abilities. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, I left all unnecessary emotions within father. My name is Pride. Mm-hmm. Is Pride the only unnecessary emotion? <laughs> I'm sure Pride thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is interesting that he... It is interesting that he said, like, I left those unnecessary emotions. But I mean, like, also, father separated them out anyway, so... Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting to, if if the homunculus is just kind of, like, living with... Well, you just... You did say before the homunculus is created a vessel by creating father. Remember we talked about that before recently too. Mm-hmm. So maybe that implies the even though pride can sort of like control the 
homunculus like control the shadowy this you know the zoop zoop shadows and stuff mm-hmm. maybe that is actually the homunculus or something i don't know mm. hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. you're like i know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just kind of interesting that there's kind of like a there does seem to be a, a limit on how far the homunculus can go mm-hmm. or how far the shadow can go the zoop zoop mm-hmm. shadow can go yeah mm-hmm. and then of course i like that they um Ran into Hohenheim, so they came back to mm-hmm. Lior, which is cute. Yeah. It's like another fun group of character interactions coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a lot I was of, finally uh... going to get to talk to Hohenheim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Without Ed there to be a jerk. So. <laughs> yeah, there's been lots of fun, like, mixes of characters in the last several chapters. Yeah. yeah. Being thrown together, so. I wonder if, like, there'll be another th- flashback with, like, Trisha Elric and Hohenheim. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. Yeah. You're like, hmm, that would be. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I just feel like their story is sort of left unset. Like, I mean, we kind of saw that it was, I feel like Trisha knew certain things about, Trisha knew about Hohenheim what the deal was with Hohenheim and stuff mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. seemed to know why he was leaving and whatever, but then they, they didn't tell Ed now and that's why Ed is all sassy and whatever. Yeah. So it'd be nice <laughs> if they could kind of connect on that someday, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway. I also want Lanfon to come back. Have I mentioned that recently? <laughs> <laughs> it's been one ep- at least one episode since I mentioned that I want, Ho- uh, want Lanfon to come back. <laughs> May almost went back to... Um, to Sheen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say, I like Scar and May's relationship. I know. Mm-hmm. Scar is like, you don't want to let your people down or whatever. So, mm-hmm. But I don't know that Envy's going to actually help. So. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't I think think... that Envy would, taking Envy back would help. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to say? I was going to say, I think Scar's mostly like, how do I get this child out of this country before <laughs> shit goes before down? Before all the shit goes down. That's actually <laughs> yeah. a good point. Yeah. But yeah, I don't... I think it was interesting that a couple chapters ago, May was kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do because she knows the secret to immortality, at least one way, one secret to immortality, you know, like with the Philosopher's mm-hmm. Stone. Um, it seems to be the only thing we know so far, though, because the only, the only person who... The only other person who is sort of like immortal as Hohenheim and he's basically a human philosopher's stone. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But having a homunculus is not necessarily going to actually like, like envy is just that form without a philosopher's stone to mm-hmm. power them. Yeah. So I don't think yeah, I guess that it depends, would actually like, be helpful, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess it depends. Cause like Ling was saying earlier, it's like, I just need something that like will give the emperor hope of true immortality so that he'll like elevate my position a little yeah that's true so like maybe having something that's like you know resembles immortality make him enough it's to be like enough. fascinating <laughs> <laughs> fascinating <laughs> i don't know maybe it would help her personally but it wouldn't actually bring him immortality i guess yeah so like it might be enough to like help her clan out but yeah i don't know mm-hmm but yeah, I think you're you're right that Scar's kind of like, how can I find a way to get this child to leave? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And not to be there when things go down in a mess, mm-hmm. which is a good call. Yeah. 
Didn't work, but it was I, a good thought. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Envy was able to manipulate her a little bit after yeah. she visited uh, Well, I mean, I don't think she... I think she was wavering about leaving or not, but mm-hmm. definitely, I feel like after yeah. all of that, Envy was able to be like, go to go to Central. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can learn the quote-unquote true secret to immortality. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is. Yeah. Slash probably nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably the same things that she already knows, mm-hmm. but whatever. Yeah. At this point. I did very much enjoy when Envy parasitically attached to Yoki. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yoki got really beat up these chapters because first the kids were all climbing on him and then Envy attached to him. (laughs) (laughs) I like how Al was like, we're like acquaintances at best. Yeah. Yeah. I was like turning his head away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then Marco being like, we're not going to help you. And then he was like, I was just lying. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I guess they do kind of care about Aoki. <laughs> yeah. He was helpful. He was helpful before. Mm-hmm. So you got them through the the best school lines. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so he didn't have to fight a Balrog or anything like that. So <laughs> something that I found interesting was Scar's words. We did it, or something. Oh yeah, uh, we did it, Marco. Yeah, and like I guess sort of his transition from like hating the state alchemists and and sort of realizing that like the homunculi are really the ones that like caused all that and that's who he should be you know at following and like i don't know the similarities between how envy kind of ruined his life and threatening marco and and causing him to to i don't know yeah he's in the middle he's the middle man like (laughs) because marco ended up Converting the Ishvalans into Philosopher's Stone mm. and starting the Ishvalan War was Envy. I'm having a hard time talking. But yeah, <laughs> Envy started the, 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 the Ishvalan War and made Marco turn the Ishvalans into Philosopher's Stones. And I don't know, a common enemy that like they were pointed at each other, sort of, and now they're pointing at Envy. Mm hmm. Okay, I understand. Yes, finish that thought for me, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a nice moment. I like it as like, I, I feel like it's too. um like Scar has like sort of gained some like respect for Marco in mm-hmm. that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's nice that Marco was kind of able to be the one who mm-hmm. undoes some of what caused all the 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 war in Ishval mm-hmm. and all of mm-hmm. all of the things that he feels like he caused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Like he was able to destroy the philosopher's stone mm-hmm. that he created, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, or like, like what he created, I guess he didn't actually yeah. create that one, but yeah, yeah. Um, is that what you were trying to say? <laughs> yeah, and and like, uh, yeah, essentially, we were talking before about Scar's sort of like transformation and how like he's sort of slowly going a thing, and I feel like this this marks the completion of it, right? Like him being able to to mm-hmm. see Marco as a comrade, like. Mm-hmm he's officially on the other side now and all that. That's true. It did seem like he was kind of acknowledging Marco's like good deed kind of by Mm -hmm. being like, we did it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like they did it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I actually had one more question about that scene and it is the uh, circle on Marco's hand. Oh, I was going to ask the same thing. Was that the, the reversal circle that they uncovered? Or is that the normal Philosopher's Stone uh, 
transmutation. Yeah, do you think it's like personal that he knows how to do that, or is it what they uncovered? I don't think it's the reversal. I think okay. that's something different. Yeah, I, just... I think now that I'm looking it at it, look it doesn't. Like it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the normal mm-hmm. philosopher's stone transmutation. Yeah, I think it's like, like it's it's small and not very detailed, so we're obviously not supposed to get like a really good look at it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's meant to be like look at a glance. It's related to the philosopher's stone. It circle. doesn't look like the the one that they uncovered. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, that mm-hmm. thing is very wonky. And mm-hmm. actually, I think it has all the same points, but they're connected differently. Yeah, it's got like yeah. the little bits like kind of on the inside, like yeah, like the lines like go into the. They zigzag a bit more, or like they cross yeah. a bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't you mean they zoop zoop more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You like stop. <laughs> oh. oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like just a regular transmutation circle, and this it doesn't look like the one they uncovered last time. Yeah. But if Marco kind of like. Marco knows the method for creating them, so he yeah. knows how to destroy yeah, them. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's probably, like, like something he never thought of, like, looking into because he's just been mm. on his, like, death spiral mm. since then. That makes <laughs> so, sense. But since, yeah, like, recent, recently guilty. he's been like, I can do something. So, mm-hmm. so he started, like, looking into it. And they purposely lured Envy there. Mm-hmm. So I assume that was all part of the plan because he knew yeah. how to do it. We haven't talked about uh, Kimberly yet in his great. Oh yeah. Deception. Mm-hmm. I love how he's so weird and chill the whole time. Yeah. It's pretty great. Um, and I also liked the tidbit that the the uh, leader from Drachma was like, "Oh, the Western military command has been planning this attack for years, and they promised there'd be dissent in the ranks at mm. Briggs and stuff mm-hmm. like that." I was like, "Well, that was obviously a lie. Shouldn't have believed that. Why would yeah. you believe that?" <laughs> Mm. I want to talk about him because, like, Amestris mm. is not a great country. They're aggressive. They're causing wars on literally every side. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, is he justified in his hatred for Amestris? Did they wrong him? And is he trying to, like, you know, right? Like, are we seeing the bad side of him that we, you know, we're missing the whole story? <laughs> Do you think he has a, a soft backstory? I don't know. I want. I want to find <laughs> out. I think it'd be interesting. Mm-mm. I mean, he just seems like a one-off angry character. Yeah, no, I, I power hungry. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem like the um, it seems like the conflict with Drachma seems more like mutual than yeah, no, I some I, of the other ones because yeah. like yeah. they're indicated as like they've had like a long like ten- tensions on the border and they've got like a like tentative peace agreement right now, mm-hmm. but they're still like staring at each other across the border. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a feeling that you probably it's don't have a tentative peace agreement anymore. But uh. no, <laughs> well, probably other. If that guy's like, I don't know, maybe he's he's probably not military command. He's probably just some kind of high ranking general or something that they sent out mm-hmm. there. But yeah. but yeah, he seemed like it seemed like there was something in the works that wasn't true. Yeah. Um, with the military command, but I don't know why he would believe that. Like that's anyway, whatever. Well, he doesn't know how sketchy they are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's sketchy to basically go against your own countrymen, like, isn't it? To be like, yeah, the oh, you'll be able to take over this fort, no big deal. Knowing that secretly the the fort is impenetrable and the forces are aligned, mm-hmm. so I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Well, we don't know what their spy network looks like. I mean, it's not That's unheard true. of that <laughs> people within countries have 
you know, gone against their leadership and stuff. So it's true. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that they have a very a very powerful woman spy who who stole food and yeah. supplies from <laughs> the fort for <laughs> several months and then disappeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, but I like that Kimberly's just like rolling up with them. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, he died. How rude. Yeah. <laughs> he's also like in the middle of our conversation. It wasn't a conversation. He was like yelling at you for betraying him. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I kind of, be- with, with how, uh, I don't know how to describe Kimberly. But his, <laughs> I don't with either. his set of social skills and Hohenheim's, I feel like that would be a very interesting interaction. <laughs> Where is the fanfic? <laughs> Hohenheim would be like, do, you have no scruples. Interesting. <laughs> I do like how Kimberly continues to uh, stick to his weird guns because he is mm-hmm. out there in the middle of the battlefield. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And he was talking to the, the, the leader guy and he was like, oh, just be <laughs> like... We didn't get destroyed in the fire. Mm-hmm. So think of it as your like right to survive or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, he's still on, you know, living his best life, his best Kimberly life. Yes. <laughs> then the, the other soldiers caught to him and he blows them up. So, mm-hmm. you know. And then the evidence, of course, is buried now because uh, they're all buried in the snow. Yeah. So, yeah. No one will ever really know what happened, I guess. Mm-hmm. it's not really funny but it kind of makes me laugh when it goes over to like Briggs and they're like oh crap avalanche like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're also like but we didn't shoot so what the fuck was that Yeah. like yeah. do you think they're on to Kimberly or do you think that they're cause they don't uh, well I guess they kind of know they know that he's they kind of know what he can do but mm-hmm. I do they know that he's there I don't know didn't they see him or did they not yeah they did they did yeah I don't think they saw him on the battlefield. I think it was too far away to see him. But. Yeah. Oh, I thought they. I thought they had a telescope on him or something. Not a telescope. What are the? Oh. I almost said stethoscope. Binoculars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. They can see them from with the binoculars, but it's pretty far away. Okay. Maybe. I like that Kimberly is like, oh yeah, I didn't know that they had those crazy weapons either. Because <laughs> I guess nobody really knows what's going on in Briggs. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty funny too. <laughs> He's like, huh, interesting. And the guy's, like, yeah. freaking out. <laughs> mm-hmm. The whole thing is, like, funny, but not funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, Kimberly. Well, he succeeded in in carving mm-hmm. a crest of blood, I guess. Yeah. Great. Just great. I like how they've got, like, the, yeah. like, substitute guy at Briggs, but it seems like Miles and Buccaneer are still running the fort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering... Um, <laughs> Maybe Kimberly gave them instructions like we don't need to cause dissent at, at Briggs. We'll just kill all the Drachma troops. It'll be fine. Like maybe he coordinated the the plan in the end or whatever. I don't know. Because Pride was like, you don't need to get rid of the Briggs troops. Yeah. Yeah. Dot dot dot. <laughs> so he said to use use them, use their um coordination. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. not against them. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was ever like troops that were like going to cause chaos within briggs like mm-hmm. no even kimberly's troops that he brought yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's what i mean like yeah i think mm-hmm. that the whole lie they were it, they were always lying to the drachman army yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so they they did see him because uh miles i think says he's really done it to us this time he's i going think to that's use a weird Drachmas. translation thing though I'm oh not sure is if that's it accurate because it's not in 
Because like then they're like, but why would they attack now? When he like just said why would they why they would attack now? So like mm. he's going to use Drachma troops instead of Briggs troops to bring bloodshed. Mm. Yeah, like I think he doesn't say that as specifically. Mm, that could be. Because it doesn't really make sense otherwise. I mean, he could also be referring to, like, somebody else. Like, the Fuhrer. Could be, yeah. He yeah, knows about all the plans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you could probably substitute he with, like, they. Yeah, like, it could be. Going to you, use... you, might, you, might, you might be right about that. Because, like, I think as far as they know, last time, it's, like, Kimberly disappeared in the Yeah, I guess they weren't more surprised that he's alive. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. One thing that I really enjoy about Arakawa, uh, uh, at least in this work, I'm, is the like parallels between scenes. There's mm-hmm. there seems to always be one, at least one in each episode. Sometimes several, because like, Drachma declaring war came right after Hohenheim declared his war against um, mm-hmm. Father, mm-hmm. and like last time we had, um, Ed collapsing with Al collapsing. Although those were probably much more related, but still like. Uh, there's just frequently you see like two characters in different places undergoing a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's it's I don't know. Well done. I enjoy it. I, I like I don't know the the little thought that goes into the ordering on where things go and how you un- like tell the story and that sort of thing. It's it's, it's neat. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good storytelling. Yeah. Just, like, nice, uh, at least I think, it's kind of a... We have so many different characters and, like, storylines, and we go so many different places that it's kind of nice to have these, like, moments that are interconnected or, like, they're the same, something similar is happening, I I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helps kind of, like, lead your eye, for lack of a better word, through the chapter. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. There was some good, like, use of shadow again. Like, I liked there's this one panel where Envy's lifting up Marco and talking to him that's, like, completely drawn in black. Both of them are in black with their mm-hmm. eyes showing and stuff like that. So. Yeah. And also, like, I think um, these chapters in particular, a lot of the, like, gross, like, fight scenes where, like, Marco lifts up his his face and it's, like, bleeding and stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. this is very, like action comic-y mm-hmm. styled. I don't know how to describe it, but um, I don't know. It was nice. It was good. I liked yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of comments other than Araka was bringing it again Yeah. in these in these chapters, mm-hmm. as usual. Yeah. And bringing on the uh, the grossness with Envy. Ugh. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with Envy. Envy's always gross. So mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. the tongue Envy. I love your gross tongue thing, which is true. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this, like goo. Envy's internal goo. It's like not even really a tongue. Mm-hmm. Envy does have a tongue that like sticks out of their mouth, but this is like a protruding protrusion of goo. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah, like the, the like kind of gro- like the Envy's sort of human esque form just kind of like flops over, and then the little like kind of embryonic lizard mm-hmm. looking thing like pops out, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And that thing in and of itself is kind of gross looking. Like the yeah. one big eye and stuff. So. Tiny little legs. Legs. It's also yeah. kind of cute. I... <laughs> yeah, it is kind of cute. Yeah. I think that's why Yoki flicked it, which was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that they're keeping it in a jar. Yeah. <laughs> like with the little 
little breathing hole and stuff. It's so funny. Yeah. I love the little, like, when you first see see them in the jar. It's just like, damn it. Like, <laughs> 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 I liked when we were watching it in the um, in the anime. The voice is really funny. It's all, like, a really high-pitched, kind of squeaky voice, like, echoing mm-hmm. inside the jar. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this is hilarious. Because Envy is so complainy. Yeah. Yeah. And that line in the dub was like, this sucks. Which is really <laughs> funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's the scene mm-hmm. we, that we haven't talked about yet with Wrath and Hawkeye. With like the mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Hawkeye, yeah, yeah. Where he's all like, all everything was given to him, but he chose his wife. And I'm kind of like interested in the interpretation of that scene because Risa at first looks just like surprised, but at the end she looks kind of like surprised and horrified. Like, I don't really know how to describe it. Like, I don't know if she's like, is that like good surprised or mm-hmm. scared? I don't know. I'm not sure what to think of it. You know, is it, like, horrified that, like, a rando is <laughs> involved in this? Or, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or some something showing his humanity? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, like, a, like, like, I thought I had a grip on this, and now I'm not 100% sure anymore kind mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. like, reaction. Like You mean, like, she think- she thought that she knew what the situation was? Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's, that's new information that's unexpected, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if his wife was Lust? It'd be like the like Adam's family. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's kind of interesting that the Fuhrer we still get to see some aspects of his like humanity. Like that's I guess what he's saying is like that's the one place that he had any kind of like agency in his life, mm-hmm. it seems. He was like groomed to be become the leader of the country and given a son. Mm-hmm. didn't have any choice in any of those things yeah but he was at least able to find like a partner to be with i guess this is very interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this isn't the first time where he's talked about how like he's just like followed a script or whatever always been told what to say what to do mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. yeah he's been very introspective about uh, mm-hmm. like how his life has gone <laughs> yeah and sort of i i feel like uh rebellious about it but sort of yeah wanting to take more agency in what he does i feel like um because like uh he's excited about how the youngsters are you know challenging him or whatever and that like he's like oh yeah things didn't go as they were supposed to oh oh shoot no (laughs) why how could that be Mm -hmm. and like i don't know it's it, it is an interesting like humanizing quality that he has mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and he wanted to say or he had that conversation with pride too where he was like i don't know i think humans aren't as dumb as you guys think and whatever like mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah and even just like having this conversation with Riza, like he seems like genuinely mm-hmm. like interested in what her perspective is like mm-hmm. yeah i really like the line where he's just like um he's just like like play when she says like you're playing at being a family and he's like I'm also playing at being a dictator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it just kind of shows in another way, in another aspect of the story that not everything is black and white. Like not everyone is bad yeah. and good. Like I guess that's kind of part of the theme mm-hmm. that's being shown here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now that Risa has the the information that they're all homunculi and they're all part of the plan or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. The last scene that I want to talk about was Armstrong v. Armstrong. Yeah. I was really excited that we got to see Olivier and, and Alex Armstrong. This is like the first time we saw them together, right? Mm-hmm. Yay. Oh, shit. Can I just point out some very important detail? 
What? That that page where they, they start seeing each other, it's on page 420, yo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, Armstrong's. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Armstrong's. They're great. The point is, I like that, first of all, Olivier was stepping on Alex's foot. Second, <laughs> he was like, hey, sis. And she's like, don't call me that. Mm-hmm. And then um, was sassy, like, right to his face. Yeah. Which was pretty great. <laughs> he was like, but won't won't that increase the, the blood on the transmutation circle? And she's like, whatever, to his yeah. face, which is also great. So, again, continuing the will she or won't she? Mm-hmm. <laughs> will she be evil or won't she be evil? I mean. <laughs> um, she looks pretty horrified when they reveal the, the homunculus army, though. But Yeah. <laughs> Like how Olivia is like generally much, seems much more low key than Alex, but mm-hmm. uh, apparently not if you get them in a room together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, they're definitely <laughs> siblings. Yeah, <laughs> I think Olivia is sort of over the top in her mm-hmm. fervor. Yeah, just yeah. just like all the other Armstrongs <laughs> seem to be. She might be like low key in the sense that she's not running around with her own like custom uh, mustache, like mustachioed <laughs> stationery and stuff like that. But I feel like. She's kind of got a, a, she has another larger than life personality also, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like just in a different way. She has more of a commanding presence. Mm-hmm. And then Alex Armstrong just has muscles. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he, he uses his presence to command. She has a commanding presence. <laughs> <laughs> they both have like natural friends and allies, but it's different, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, no, definitely they're 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 over the, over the top yelling um, <laughs> when they're in the same place is definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. I like it. he's like you should visit our father. She's like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> then flips her hair over her shoulder. She walks yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, she's like I will if I feel like it, which is like mm-hmm. also hashtag uh, relatable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed their bickering. Yeah, so I guess their relationship at, is. It's as as stated, which is just like moderate annoyance and yeah. <laughs> respect from Alex Armstrong, mm-hmm. but no respect from Olivier Armstrong. <laughs> it seems she continues to have her emotions guarded, I guess, mm-hmm. in all circumstances. But yeah, then it turns out there was a whole creepy army that yeah. they're building. Yeah, they're um they're unsettling. Yeah, yeah, that's really horrifying. When I, I like flipped them. the page, I was like, uh oh, I don't. I don't like that at all. They all have creepy mouths and no eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're all like sort of emaciated looking and whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah. it's okay. Once they're all full of souls, it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Right? And the very the very terrifying look on the general's face when he reveals it to yeah. it's unsettling. Yeah. It's also a that's a very detailed page. Like Oh yeah. I know. <laughs> drawing after drawing of horrifying homunculus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got the creepy doll things hanging out, and you got the, like <laughs> wires and tubes all over the place. It's, yeah, it's gross. There's a lot going on. <laughs> no, none of it good. <laughs> no, I, I still am like intrigued. Like, a father's whole plan can't be to create an immortal army. Like, what does he want? You know. Mm-hmm. It does seem like that's the whole plan. It's certainly the army. How he got the army involved, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like. Whatever the military knows is not the whole plan. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Sure, no, surely that's the case. Yeah. Uh, surely there's, there's. I mean, f- 
the homunculus tricked all the people of Xerxes before, so I'm sure that that's happening now, right? <laughs> or tricked enough people in Xerxes to be able to transmute all of them into a philosopher's stone for himself. But I don't know. We don't know. But yeah, Olivier does look horrified, so at least I think she's still on the good side. <laughs> she's actually on the good side. Yeah. <laughs> she's at least not on the um, create a horrifying immortal <laughs> mm-hmm. army soul, side. Soul army <laughs> side. Yeah. Everybody else is, though, which is kind of gross. But, you yeah. know, whatever. I wonder if even the, like, homunculi know what the real plan is. Probably only Father knows what the plan is. Hmm. I mean, they're all his, like, spawn. Does he really care about them? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe. They seem to know to some degree, because, like, um, when they had Marco captive, uh, Envy was taunting him with being like, oh, you're so close, when he was talking about, Mm -hmm. like, Philosopher's Stone transmutation circle plan. Yeah. It does feel like we still kind of know sort of what they're doing, but not really. They're basically the ones carrying it out. I feel like, you know, you kind of want them to know so they don't fuck something some important thing up or something you know <laughs> i don't know yeah like they don't get themselves reduced to their like most vulnerable form like some people we know envy <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know i don't have any other things that i wanted to talk about this time yeah i think i'm uh i think i'm out of stuff <laughs> sorry i <laughs> It's like that's where he fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I am the same. I have nothing else to say. Okay. Yeah. Good. I feel like it wasn't that. We have. What? It's 11 now. We started close. To, yeah, I feel like this was a short recording. I don't know. For, for three chapters. There's a lot of, like, moving parts. Like, we yeah. checked in with a bunch of people. You know, but we kind of, like, knew a lot of the stuff that came up. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fight with... I feel like the biggest things were, like, the fight with Envy. Yeah. Which was kind of straightforward. Like, Marco got his... He kind of got his revenge. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what you were trying to say at a high... At a very, very high level. <laughs> you know, Scar and Marco got their revenge by I, teaming up. I appreciate your... Uh, I I'll can think of the word. That, I'll admit that I kind Scar- of lost track of what you're saying for a second oh i lost track of it like (laughs) the important thing is that scar and marco are bffs now yeah Yeah. yay (laughs) i I do think that him being like we did it like means something Mm -hmm. so that was nice yeah um, but yeah, I kind of feel like that was the biggest thing. And like all the like, oh, then Envy parasitically attaches to Yoki. It's like, eh. Like, I guess that kind of shows that then you could make it maybe take take him to um, Sheen or whatever. Oh, so what? Okay. Marco and Scar were both being their worst selves because of Envy. Mm-hmm. And because Marco was going like following orders and, you know, sort of was running away from what he had become. And Scar was on a murderous rampage for vengeance (laughs) Uh and they changed their ways to be better people for the sake of killing envy or something like Uh that yeah yeah culminating in them defeating envy yeah yeah Yeah, you're not wrong okay maybe you might even be right (laughs) 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 but yeah i don't know i just felt like there was a lot of like oh and then like 
then the Armstrongs fought. Then yeah. then they showed Olivier the army, and it's like, oh, fuck. But it's like, there's no outcome for that. Yeah. that we, can, we can kind of talk about it, but not really. So, yeah, it seems like there was just a lot of, like... It happened. We went a Let's lot of see places. see where this goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What are we going to read next time? Next time, <laughs> we're going to do another three-parter and do Whoa. 81, 82, and 83. All right. Oh. Look at that. Cruising right along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get the great uh, father-son reunion. <gasps> oh, yes, <Yeah>. that one. <laughs> I was like, I was father, like, son, which son, which father? <laughs> <laughs> no, the one that we left off on, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll find out what happened to Ed. He wasn't even in these chapters at all. So. Yeah. With his impalement. It's like, last we saw him, he wasn't currently dying. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm confident that he'll be okay. Yeah. He just wasn't here. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess we'll see. He dies off screen and the the title of the whole series changes from here on out. It's like mm. just the metal armor alchemist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything left to say this time. Right. Yeah. I think we all need to take a nap. Let's do it. All right. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, 81 to 83. Mm-hmm. We will Ooh. see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Yes. Thank Goodbye. you. Goodbye. Enjoy your naps. Bye bye. <laughs> have a nap too. It'll be great. Yeah. yeah naps are good. <laughs> yeah. We're pro nap on this podcast. <laughs> there's one thing we can all agree on it's that naps are good (laughs) I guess that's it for the train oh okay just the one little one little like boop one little zoop zoop yes (laughs) one little zoop it's the pride train (laughs) I would not be okay with the trains making zoop zoop sounds. <laughs> you get on the train, it's like zoop 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 zoop. You know, when the wheels are spinning. <laughs> I think it'd be great. I don't know what you're talking about. It'd be like a, being in a Disney World ride every time you get on a train. And, and the horn like, would just be the the room. Vroom vroom. I don't know. It's that kind of night. Mm-hmm. Where we're gonna make zooping sound effects. I think the only joke we've made so far today. Soup. <laughs> so, so. Oh. Bring better content. I'll, I'll zoop all yeah. the time. <laughs> it's like if you're listening to the like zoop exchange, the podcast where we talk about. <laughs> Well, I was going to say let's zoop together, and I was like, that's not the right podcast title. <laughs> it could be, though. Equivalent zoop. Oh, we should we should hurry up. I gotta eat dinner. I've got some soup waiting for me. Uh, Why don't you get some food and then eat while Kayla's talking? Oh, well, I it's just I have some soup waiting for me. Okay. Okay. Do you actually need to eat, or did you already eat, or are you just making? No, I already. I'm saying soup. I don't know if you can tell. Okay. Oh, I can. <laughs> okay. I can. I just wasn't sure if you were being... No, how, no. I, I wasn't I, sure what level of facetiousness there was. If it was just you needed to eat, you had food no, to eat, I, and I you were making before. a joke about what, or you're making a joke about everything. I get it now. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's the only joke we'll be able to make today. <laughs> Yeah.
Now we get to deliberately misuse uh, youth slang and make the make the kids cringe. Like totes. <laughs> Do the kids say that? <laughs> no. I don't think anyone ever actually said that. No, a few of my old coworkers used to say that. Oh, really? And that's, yeah. And I feel like it was like... Somewhat ironic way. I was going to say, I feel yeah. like it became ironic, like... The yeah. second it came out of someone's mouth. Yeah. Totes. <laughs> <laughs> See? Like that. Yes. See? See? That's how you be a millennial. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did like the te- the tendency of like just shortening random words. Like totes, probs, mm-hmm. apes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Apes. Mm-hmm. It's probs, true. <laughs> anyway, that's our lesson on youth slang. <laughs> so <laughs> It's our lesson on millennial slang, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't, remember, mm, I don't remember why, but when I wanted to say, like, probably not, I started, said probably nobably. It sounds like something they would say in, like, a t- children's TV show. <laughs> well, because I think, I think, I don't know uh, who, but someone got me saying probs knobs instead for probably not. <laughs> probably nobably. Yeah, so <laughs> clearly that stood for probably nobably. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a like it said does it sounds like a like a character from like a, a kid's like semi-educational tv show <laughs> what was the show there was a show where they used to say like great googly moogly it reminds <laughs> me of that i can't remember the, name oh, of the show with, right the, now. with the big monster guy it's like yellow with spots He looks like a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maggie and the Ferocious Beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He I looked Googled like it. a, like a, uh, an enemy from the first Spyro game. Oh. So I found him kind of unnerving as. A... He has um. When I a, was young, first kind time. of like an <laughs> an elephant body and a people face with horns. Like, why does he have a people face? He shouldn't have a people find face. This. Let me find this enemy and show it to you. If you just. Google googly moogly, you can see him. <laughs> That's what I googled. Is it? No, it wasn't Dreamweavers. Uh, maybe it was Dreamweavers. No, it was Magic Crafters. Sorry, I'm talking about worlds. I don't know. I, I haven't seen. Ah. It's called Beasts. Um, I can see why you found that unnerving. Yeah, these guys spooked me as a kid, and so like when I first saw the. Like Maggie and the First Beast, it like reminded me of that, and I was like, I don't know about this guy. Oh, oh, <laughs> I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. The Beast from Maggie and the First Beast is okay, but this is mm-hmm. not okay. Look at its face. So when I Google Great Googly Moogly, I get a song. Good Googly Moogly. <laughs> good Googly. It's only. It's not it's only it's okay. Not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Some more pictures of him. I don't like I don't I don't like its face. That song slaps, though. <laughs> Is that what the kids say? They definitely say that. <laughs> but it really does slap. You should try it. <laughs> like slapping or No, the song. The good googly moogly. <laughs> Hold on. Good good googly moogly. <laughs> I mean, I only listened to about like Aww. I don't know five seconds in the middle of it. Wow. But... 
Is it by Project Pet? Yeah. <laughs> what? What the fuck is happening to this song? <laughs> Does it? <laughs> Does it? Okay, there we go. I'm not sure if it can live up to the reactions. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. It's just like a normal song with really dumb words. Yeah. Like it's just a normal hip hop song, but it's so stupid. Comes <laughs> was like this slaps. It does not. I disagree. Okay, I listened to like three seconds of it. I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> the, the first three seconds slap, but the rest of the song is, isn't any good. I would say the song is okay. Fine. It's it's the, the same level of quality as like Friday by Rebecca Black. <laughs> I, would, I would. It's probably the a song, song that if you if you if you listen to it enough, you it would definitely get stuck in your head. Like Friday still does, even though it's been <laughs> many many years. Oh God, Kazu, how can you? How did the, you do this? The song doesn't <laughs> slap, but those cheeks do clap. Kazu. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what are we talking wow, about? The song is Cop from 2006. <sighs> Should I put a link to this in the description? <laughs> oh, Cosm, this is the clean version. Yes. What is the not clean version? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should listen to it later. That's fair. <laughs> Well, anyway, the tangent delivered today. What were we even talking about? We have barely talked about the <laughs> chapters so far. Yeah. Well, the border the border skirmishes have been going on for a long time, yeah. so I assume the tunnel digging started around that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not explicit, but unlike that rap song we listened to. Well, no, we listened. <laughs> no, to the that clean wasn't explicit either. I'm it was going the clean to listen version. to. Okay, fine. <laughs> You you found it. You started this. <laughs> and I have no regrets. <laughs> I definitely listen to worse songs. So Oh guys, this is the volume with the big booty alchemist drawing at the end. <laughs> oh good. I was worried that the big booty alchemist wouldn't we wouldn't get to talk about the big booty alchemist. He's my favorite so. character. <laughs> <laughs> I still be back to see if a different one of like our cause and comics was in here, but it's not in this one. But mm. <laughs> that one's here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Big Booty Alchemist. I love the um like the author's note next to the uh, Big Booty Alchemist. Big Booty thing. Alchemist. This is like I found this while cleaning out a drawer. Now the part of me that asks, "Why did you reject this idea?" and the part of me that says, "Of course I rejected it." Are engaged in epic battle. <laughs> <laughs> rejected state alchemist <laughs> character. I like how there's like arrows that are like jiggy, yeah. jiggy, 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 jiggy. <laughs> <laughs> Draws transmutation circle with his butt. <laughs> Arkawa's oh, mind is a place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Must be. Yeah. I guess we'll see. He dies off screen in the 
the title of the whole series changes from here on out. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. just the metal armor alchemist. Yeah. <laughs> the big booty alchemist. <laughs> yes, that's our new main character. <laughs> I mean, she did draw like what's that guy's name? Kamachi. Kamacho. Yeah, Kamachi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that guy is he could be called the big booty alchemist for all we know, you know. I mean, <laughs> he's kind of a he's kind of gimmicky. Mm-hmm. You could replace him with the big booty alchemist. <laughs> the idea that Wrath would come up with that nickname though is really funny for somebody. <laughs> <laughs>